God bless you all. I, um, I had the Lord speak to me today through a video that was about two months old, or a portion of it, from uh, Brother Nathan Heiner in Puyallup. And uh, let's see, it was, I guess it was around the start of this year, mid-January or so, I felt the Lord just kind of start to deal with me about something. Uh, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, I think it was on a Sunday, we, we said some things about what I, what I call the argumentative spirit. Do you remember that? Uh, somebody that just likes to argue or somebody that, uh, you know, I think what I said was a lot of times people can uh, disguise comments as questions. Uh, well, I don't want to go back down that road tonight, but what I found out uh, or just saw through our um, other channel was that Brother Nathan Heiner, who's the assistant elder in Puyallup, uh, spoke on something similar. That was actually about a month prior to that in de in at the start of December before Christmas. Um, I'm not going to play the whole thing, just about 10 minutes of this, but what he shared, I feel like, was the Lord sharing what he shared with me about a month later, if I can put it that way. So maybe I, uh, maybe we can watch and then just listen, because some of the things that he says, uh, as I said, I know they're what the Lord spoke to me. Uh, Brother Tim, you can go ahead with that. Lord willing, with our technical difficulties, we'll get this worked out. For peace. Um, I, I want to draw a little bit of attention tonight and talk about the consequences of a critical spirit. The consequences of a critical spirit. We're going to start in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, my beloved, and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Verse 2 says, I implore Eodia, and I implore Syntyche. That's probably not how you pronounce it, but we're going to go with that. To be the same, of the same mind in the Lord. Now, I'm going to pause right here, hit the pause button. Who, who is the Apostle Paul talking to? Who is this letter to? Let's just jump back a couple of chapters to Philippians 1, the greeting, the opening of this epistle. Ch uh, chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. I don't know if he was upset with the elders, but they didn't get mentioned here. Um, but to all the saints, so this is to the church, this is to the body, the, the, the church in Philippi that were with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a letter to the assembly. 
or possibly several assemblies there. But this is, we know it as Scripture. You know, it's in our Bible. It's, we call it the New Testament. We, we reference it as Scripture, and we have it to look at. It's, it's our um, accepted uh, Scripture, what, what's been brought into, considered the Holy Writ. We, we know it as that. But at this time, it's a letter. It's a personal letter. It's something that someone wrote to someone else. Um, in this case, a group of people. But it's, it's a letter, and you can kind of imagine, you know, as this is coming in, I don't know if they're in a, in a group um, in the church. They're saying, hey, we got a letter. Apostle Paul, he wrote us a letter. Everybody listen up. I don't know if this was, you know, in between messages or maybe right after worship. But this is a letter to the saints, and they, they begin to read it. And I don't know if this is the way it went down. It, it makes a good story, so we're going to go with that. But they, they sit down, and, and they begin to read through, and it gets through the first three chapters. They didn't have chapters. It's a letter. But, but they get to this part mid-epistle, mid-letter, and it starts calling out some people. It, imagine if your sister Eodia... And uh, the deacon or whoever's reading this letter to everybody is saying, therefore, my blood, my long for brethren, like, yeah, Paul, brother Paul, we miss you. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good preaching. And all of a sudden it says, I implore Eodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Whoa. Want to get away? You, you imagine those, uh, that'd be a little awkward. But Paul is addressing specific individuals and continue to verse 3. And I urge you also, true companion, I don't know exactly who that was, um, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, this is an interesting way to, to start out a chapter. I know it's broken out into chapters and verses at a later point, but Paul is, is reaching out to this beloved group of believers, and he's acknowledging the fact that there's a couple of sisters that aren't seeing eye to eye on something. It doesn't go into detail. It doesn't say what they were at odds about, what the issue was. It's all speculation. You can, you can speculate all you want, but, but it's, it's, he thought it was important enough to bring up in this letter and say, these two ladies, make sure that you are of the same mind in the Lord. Now, why is that important? Because if, believe it or not, even today, many of us, most of us, all of us, will likely have different opinions on things. You don't believe that, do you? Yeah. Even in a blood-bought church. He, he says right there, with Clement also and with the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. These, these are brothers and sisters. These are people that I love. He calls them his beloved. And even in the church, there can be a difference of opinion, a difference of perspective 
But at the same time, even though we have differences in opinions, we might even have differences in, in how we understand Scripture to an extent. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about doctrine. But we can look at a, a similar passage and get somewhat different opinions on it. No amens. I know, it's, it's okay. Um, but the point is, he's, he's reaching for this body, and he's saying, but you can still be in the same mind in the Lord. See, see there's blood that overcomes stuff. Anybody ever heard the, the saying, blood's thicker than water? Blood is supposed to be bigger or more important, and if you're related to somebody, in theory, um, it's supposed to carry more than if you're not. But in this church that's bought by him, we need to make sure that we're in the same mind in the Lord. We, not, we may not be in the same mind the way we perceive things, the way we understand things, but there's a need here for grace. Because Brother, Brother Fisher isn't going to see everything the same way I do. And he could easily look at me and say, well, you know, I have no idea where Heiner got that because I don't see it that way. I mean, that, that's a stretch. The way he, he reads that scripture, I don't know. He, he could easily start to draw up some differences and say, you know what, I'm just going to stay away from that guy. I mean, that's pretty far out there. But if he has grace, which he does, and he's a brother, he's not going to allow a difference in opinion to override the same blood. All right, let's move on. Verse 4, right after he comes down on these two sisters, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. All right, everybody have a praise, praise break. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Verse 5 says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, this is interesting. The, the old King James says moderation. Let your moderation be known to all men. If you search that out, um, I think that the new King James uh, is, is more accurate in that regard into a modern sense. But gentleness, let's talk about a, a mildness. A, a mild-mannered, a, a mild, um, not overblown, not extreme. It's, it's easy to get along with people who are mild. Now, we all, we all have family members. We all have friends that are a little less than mild. And that's okay. Person, we need all the personalities, right? We, we all have given, God gives us different personalities, and thank God. Um, but... It's, it's easier to get along with someone that is gentle, that is, is, is mild in their presentation rather than, what's the opposite of that? Abrasive. But why is this important? Because the Lord is at hand. He's trying to do a work. He's, he's at work in the earth. Verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer... In supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. I need my heart to be guarded. Even if I don't understand it, I need my heart to be guarded. And he'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, the problem is with with differences, and this is where a critical spirit will come up, is when you have a, a disagreement, you don't see eye to eye with somebody on something. If, if there comes an offense through that, if this is where that gentleness comes in, if, if you have an offense, which generally an offense comes from a disagreement, that's not gentle. And something wounds a spirit. Something is um, set off in, in a heart. And from that point on, the, the offense, if not taken care of, will affect that relationship going forward. Verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any praiseworthy, anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. Meditation is what we allow up here. It's, it's the things that we allow to be in our spirit, to, to be in our minds, to, to be the things that we have attention on. And a critical spirit will automatically look for the negative It'll automatically pick out those things that, well, I don't like that. I don't like that thing about so-and-so. And, and rather than a, a gentleness in that even though we disagree on something, we can still be of the same mind in the Lord. A critical spirit will come between us and we'll start to create a gap. And the effect of that is separation. But Paul is saying it's all about the mind. It's all about what you allow to seed in your spirit. It's about what you allow to stay in your head. And you must guard your, your thoughts. You must Amen. guard your mind. You can stop and met- Amen. Maybe we could just pray before we go further. Lord, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for speaking to the church. God, I believe you have a word for us, God. You have a purpose and a design for us, Lord. You desire to do your work among us. Lord, you desire to form yourself in us. God, all the attributes of Christ, you you long to see those in your children. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray... Let my spirit be open to you. Let my mind be open to you, God. Lord, I want to be as clay in your hands. I want to be moldable by you, Lord Jesus, that you could form me into your image. Form me into your image, Lord Jesus. God, in your name, I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm struck by uh, how... 
frequent, if you start to look, how frequently you see one mind, single-minded, like-minded, in the New Testament particularly. Once you get the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God living inside you, and you are grafted into the body of Christ, you are expected, hear me, you are expected to think a certain way. Let me say that again. Once you get the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is living inside you. You're expected to think a certain way. The mind of Christ, we call it sometimes. But we are not supposed to just have our own thoughts, our own, dare I say, opinions. There's room for opinion, okay? I'm not saying we're, we're looking for conformity to me or to an ideology. We're not looking for com conformity in that sense. We're looking for understanding, the proper understanding. There is one God. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There's one faith. Faith is, I, I, I looked into this, I don't know how many years ago, back when Bishop would say, hey, be ready to take about five minutes tonight. And uh, these were back in the Wapato days. Uh, man, I would sweat over that. And I would be nervous, and I would hope everything I say is right. And uh, before I even learned that you could... Uh, transliterate, I guess is the word. You could, you could look up Greek and Hebrew definitions of words. See, I had been in the church by that time, 20 plus years, 23, 24, 25 years, and I didn't know that you could look up what Paul said in the Greek when you're reading in English. And uh, <laughs> I'll just tell on myself a little bit. We're going to come back to this, but let me give you a mental break for a minute. I grew up, and I was asked to teach my first Sunday school class when I was 12 years old, by the way. So what I did from 12 to 22 is anybody's guess. <laughs> I mean, I was sincere, and I tried. Um, you know, understand all of that. But uh, if, I, if I felt like I was supposed to take any amount of time and have words come out of my mouth that were going to be beneficial about the Bible to other people... Man, I really didn't know where to start, but I, 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 had, I had an idea. I spent enough time as a child growing up in church, like these kids here, and I had a Bible in my hands, and I looked at everything in the Bible except Genesis to Revelation. I'm talking about while the preacher's preaching and you're trying to occupy your time and your mind and, and not hit somebody, your brother next to you. Um, so I learned in the back of these... They have a thing called a concordance, right? And you could get a topic. Uh, it depends on, how, on your Bible how exhaustive that concordance is. But uh, a lot of them were pretty substantial. And let's say you wanted to find verses in the Bible, we'll just be random, that's, that say or talk about love. 
I, I, I know how to say the alphabet, A through Z, and so I look through and find the L's and L-O, L-O-V. There it is, love. Wow, there's about 13 verses right here on love. And I'd go and look at this one and go read that one, and before you know it, I had a sermon about love because I had at least 13 verses. And I mean, you got, if you're going to have a sermon, you've got to have more than one or two verses. So I had, uh, I had a good amount. And uh, <laughs> that was, I say all that to say one time after I started to learn about really understanding the scripture, the Lord had uh, given me a little bit of a lesson on faith. And uh, just a little bit, I mean, understanding really what it means when somebody says faith, what are they talking about? And essentially, what, from what I remember, is you can boil it down to the set of beliefs. Okay? We say we're, there is one faith. There is one set of beliefs. I'm going back to the scripture that says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One set of beliefs. Not believe whatever you want to believe. Think whatever you want to think. The scripture does say no scripture is of private interpretation. That means you can't go home, open your Bible and say, I think this scripture means. And that's a private interpretation. Or try to fit a scripture into a situation. I saw somebody one time say, I can do all things through a scripture taken out of context. I'm letting that sink in. Because one, one of the most popular verses is, I can do all things through Christ. Well, look at the verse in context, and you'll learn what things you really can and can't do. But if you just want to say, I can do anything, I can put on a cape, jump out the window, and I might fly. I can do all things through a scripture taken out of context. One faith. Everybody say, one faith. One set of beliefs. When you, again, I'm coming back to what I said a minute ago. When you are grafted into the body, you're no longer your own tree, you understand? You no longer get to produce whatever you want to produce. That's the, we, know, we know Yakima, harvest, trees, fruit, grafting. We understand that in the natural. You're not going to take a, 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 a pear branch grafted onto an apple tree, and say, well, I, I'm going to have all these apples and a few, few pears. No, you, you get grafted into, and then you produce what is in the root. So one faith, you're expected to understand and believe and then promote one faith. If you were there, some of us were there Friday night, and I felt the Lord had had told us about the faith once delivered to the saints. That's the same faith, that's the same set of beliefs that I want to have today. Nothing should have changed. The operative words being should have. Nothing should have changed from that faith once delivered to the saints. How did the faith get delivered to the saints? 
Well, saints, first of all, did not exist in the Old Testament. I'm sorry if that doesn't sound right. I don't have time to go into it. But a saint is a most holy thing, a person that has the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God inside them. That makes them a saint. They were, before this, they were called disciples. And you look it up after they're, they go from being disciples to saints, they don't get called disciples anymore because now they've got the Holy Spirit in them. And now... They are saints. Okay, so the fa- how did the faith get delivered to the saints? I'm talking specifically about that group of people that after the Holy Ghost is poured out, we have saints. They got their faith delivered to them. A lot of it that we know of was from the Apostle Paul. We, we heard about that a little bit already. Letters that he wrote to the saints. Letters that he wrote to the churches. He and other apostles, other ministers that spoke to the saints, delivered the faith to them. And why would that change? Why, as I said, it should not have changed. But does everybody today believe the same thing? Clearly not. So it has changed. It's taken on new forms, new shapes, new understandings new interpretations. One faith. Everybody say one faith. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That's not saying the same thing twice. One place is we're all in one place tonight. But if we don't all have the same mind, we're not in one accord. The definition for one accord, with one mind, with one passion. One accord. Now, what's awesome, I think, about this is in a lot of ways. I mean, I, we're, we're, thank God that you're here tonight. I'm thankful that, you're, that we're all here. We get to be in the same building. But being in the same building is less critical than being in the same mind. They were all with one accord in one place. You need them both if you're going to experience what they experienced there. All right. I mean, the Lord could have done a little bit over here and a little bit over there and that guy in his closet and that lady up in the attic and this one over here across town. But the key and what we see, because they were told they were given instruction, go and tarry, wait for the promise of the father. So that's what they were doing. But one accord. We can't expect the Lord to to work and operate the way he did in the book of Acts, if we are not willing to be like they were in the book of Acts. We got, you know, we could be ten different accords and think, why isn't the Lord working? Well, he works through his body. He works through his people. And if we've got all kinds of different joints and things are disconnected, he's not the problem. He needs a body to work through. One mind, one accord. 
I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16. 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen. One of the things that, that Brother Heiner said that really stuck out to me in that was, do not allow a difference of opinion to determine what God does and doesn't do in your life. That we have, you understand, you are in control of what opinions you have and how, to what degree you express them. You're in control of it. Some of you here, I know very well what you think about certain topics because you've expressed your opinion, and so I know them. Others of you, I have no clue what you think or feel about certain things because you have not expressed them. My point is, you are in control of your opinion and to what degree you express it. I don't get to go and... Go home, you know, I, I don't get to go have a meeting with somebody from the church and go home to my wife and say, I just couldn't help it. I had to set them straight. I had to tell them they were wrong. I had to tell them what is right. I had no choice. Really? You had no choice. You couldn't get up and leave. You're saying that was not a choice. I, 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 now, I'm just saying, don't let a difference of opinion restrict the flow of God's Spirit. A critical spirit looks for opportunities to express its opinion. I'll tell you what's wrong with that. You know, if this person would only just. That's a critical spirit. And it restricts the flow of the Holy Ghost in your life. 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen, But if any man seem to be contentious. We have no such custom, neither the churches of God. I want to tell you what the word contentious means. I want to tell you what the word contentious means. It means fond of strife. Fond of. Like, I get my jollies from strife. I enjoy a good argument. Fond of it. There's not enough, I'll tell you what's wrong, there's not enough strife going on. So I'm just, I gotta, I gotta find something, I gotta create something, I need to make something. I'm not happy enough with the low level of strife that's going on. It is, it's a personality. It says, if any man be contentious, 
I have to tell you, if, if you haven't seen this already or if you don't know, the earlier part of 1 Corinthians 11, we talked about this a few weeks ago, it has to do with the hair, the authority, the long hair, the uncut hair. That, that's all, this is the context that we're reading this in. So he finishes that all up by saying, but if any man is contentious, if any man is fond of strife, it doesn't belong here. We have no such custom. Not just in Corinth, but in the churches of God. Anywhere. That's why he would have to write a letter to Philippi and say, Sister you and Sister you, we don't have such a custom. Be of the same mind in the Lord. These are sisters in the church. These are not one sister and her ungodly neighbor or two ungodly neighbors that live next to a sister in the church. These are two sisters in the church. Now, don't get hung up on the fact that they're female, okay? Hey, how frequently do we say all men, men, men this, every man that, and we just kind of think, well, it's for the men. I'm flipping the tables on you tonight. Don't think this is only for the sisters. Paul, the apostle, says we have an issue in the church and we need to deal with it. In Philippi, it happens to be sister her and sister her. But, but the issue is you've got to be like-minded in the Lord. If you're not of the same faith, this, a set of beliefs, if this sister's set of beliefs diverge right here, that direction, where hers go this direction, then how many faiths are there? There is one faith. There's one faith. I like the irony of this. Irony is probably not the right word. But again, going back to Jude, earnestly contend for the faith. Content. It's going to have the same root word as if any man be contentious. But now we're not talking about personality-wise. Now we're talking about whether you take action or not. To earnestly contend for the faith means I'm not going to sit here and, and make sure everybody's getting along and as long as there's no problems, we won't rock the boat and thank the Lord the three of us will get to heaven. No, there's, where is the contending for the faith there? It's not there. To contend for the faith means I... <laughs> I have to bring the battle to me. Or I probably the more proper term is I have to bring myself to the battle to contend for. Anybody ever uh, box here? Any boxers? Some of us have done it a little bit. They call it the challenger or they call it the contender, right? 
You, to contend means I'm throwing, there's a, here's a term, I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I could sit and not participate, but I, the scripture tells me to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. So that means if I see the faith of the, that's once delivered to the saints in any way compromised, I've got to contend for that. Brother, sister, do you know what the faith that was delivered to the saints is? Because what you're saying really doesn't match it. That's an example of it. It doesn't mean, again, we're not talking about attitudes, demeanors. You're wrong, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. I've got to contend. No, no. It's, again, it's not attitudes and demeanors. It's actions. It's what you say about the faith. If any man be contentious, fond of strife, this is a, a, this is a person that looks for arguments. A person that looks for arguments. Did, did you know that you could be offended and not say anything? I, I, I'm being facetious. Did you know every time you're offended, you don't have to say something? Did you know when you're offended, the first person you should talk to is the Lord? And, and figure out which side of the contention you personally are on. Talked about this on Sunday, the tug of war, right? Whose side are you on? If there is contention, strife, you know, strife takes two opposing sides, right? Some of us love strife so much that we're willing to be the only one on that side. Some of us hate strife so much that you couldn't get us to fight if you threw pickles at us. Or any other food you'd like to think of. But there's, these are two people on two opposite sides. The, the one that loves strife is going to go, here, okay, okay, all right. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to hurry. The one that loves strife is going to survey the room. This is, the, this is just a part of their personality. This is who they are. Good, 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 good. Target. Target. I bet I could get that one alone. And engender some strife. If any man be contentious. Not if any man has a question about the scripture. A sincere question. A lack of understanding. The Bible tells us what to do if we have a lack of understanding. If any of you lack, under, lack understanding, lack wisdom, let him ask of the Lord. He gives it. Generously, 
The Lord doesn't want any of us to just flounder in a sea of lack of understanding, or I guess I could say ignorance. He, he doesn't want you to just not know anything. So he will give you wisdom if you ask for it. Okay. Ask him. If any of you lack wisdom, is it wisdom or understanding? Wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask it of the Lord. Everybody say, of the Lord. That's a very key phrase there. Not, I lack wisdom, so let me ask everybody. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Have you heard about that? Do you know about this? What do you think about this? The Lord's the last person I'm going to ask. He knows. <laughs> we have these in society, we call them bullies. A, a bully is a person who fits that description, 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen? If any man be contentious, if any man be fond of strife, if any man be a bully and wants to, here's the crazy thing, a bully always is going to pick on somebody weaker than them. Always. The bully's not going to go up and, f and, and find three people and be like, let me take you all on. No, they're going to find somebody weaker than them to, because they love strife. But you know what? You lose enough and you stop liking strife. So they're going to find somebody that they know they can beat. And there is how they find that satisfaction. That, I got another one. I converted another one. I took over, I exerted my dominance over another person. I enjoy that. I believe the Lord is trying to help us tonight. None of us would say, oh, I'm a bully. And I think, honestly, none of us would say, oh, I have a critical spirit. But the Lord is helping us. Without saying who is the bully. And without saying who is the one with the critical spirit. It, it, it could be all of us or any of us. You know, we, we're not so disalike, unalike, that it's always going to be that type and it's never going to be that type. No, it's there. It just manifests itself in different ways. It's a, it's a human characteristic. And you know, every human characteristic comes in some form comes from God because we're made in his image. So he's got enough contention in him that he would say, I have to do what's right. I have to promote what's right. But he doesn't go to the extreme of, I love putting people down. So it, there, 
it being there in humanity lets me know I am susceptible to it. A critical spirit. If all your stories about other people are negative, uh, just let the Lord help you. If your, if your first um, recollection of a person is what's wrong with them, let the Lord help you. If, <laughs> let me, I'll use this as an example because I'm about 99% sure it doesn't apply to anybody in the room. If you saw Brother Heiner on the screen and your first thought was, oh, that guy? Just giving you an example. Critical spirits. That's how, that's how, that's how susceptible we all are. Jesus, why don't you close your eyes? Jesus, we want to hear from you tonight, Father. God, I believe you desire to help each one of us. Lord, you desire to do your work so that we would be like-minded, that we would be of one mind, God. Jesus, you desire to see this unity within your body. You desire to see this single-mindedness, Lord, in your people. I know it, God. When you look at your body, you want to see one mind. You want to see those that are of one accord. Jesus, I pray, help me tonight. Work in me, Father. Work on my mind, Lord Jesus. I surrender it to you right now, God. You know the thoughts that I have. God, you know all the things that I'm susceptible to. Jesus, I surrender my mind to you right now. God, I want to see Christ formed in me. I want to have the mind of Christ, Lord. I want to see brothers and sisters, God. I want to see them as assets to the kingdom. God, I want to see them as beneficial to you and to me and to the body. In the name of Jesus, work in me, Lord. Work in me, Lord Jesus. Work in me, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, work in me, O oh God. I, I want to give you an example because a lot of you, or some of you, probably thought that's the right guy to hold the microphone and talk about this. If you know me, if you don't. Because uh, we said it's a personality, right? It's a type of person that loves strife. It's a type of person. And uh, I, I would <laughs> hope that I'm not that type of person ever. But there's internal and external. 
manifesting of the same attitude, same thought. There's a saying, I don't know where it started, and I don't know how true it is. I'm sure it's true a lot of times. They say that it's the quiet ones you have to watch out for. Anybody ever heard that? Or is it only the quiet ones that have ever heard that? <laughs> well, it, I, I'll tell you what. I trust my wife a lot more than I trust myself sometimes because I know what she's thinking. That's a compliment. And she'll say what she's thinking and she'll express it. She'll express it well. And there is no, no question about how she feels about that. I admire that characteristic in her because I, it could take me three days to try and express that same feeling outwardly. And with her, it's right there. I have had people in my life that I have not wished well for at seasons of my life. To me, this is probably about as close as I can remember to feeling strife in myself. Somebody does something and I think, I don't care if I ever see you again. I don't care if I ever talk to you again. You did wrong by me, and that's all that matters. And so we think, well, he, he, that's good. You can just avoid strife with that person. Way to go. You won the battle. Ah. What did Jesus say? If, a brother, if somebody offends you, how many times do you have to forgive them? Seventy times seven. This is, this is not a, I see him every day and every day he offends me, so I got to do it. No, this is you. This is working on you. And so if I've got a person, I said strife takes two sides, two opposing sides. All it takes is one look from you to be on one side or the other and me. Oh, I don't like that person now because they did that, they said that, they didn't open the door for me when my hands are full. And I'm carrying the strife. See, the, 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 the opposing parties have already been introduced to the equation. What's amazing about this is they, they aren't even thinking twice about what strife they may or may not have caused in me. But I can't think about anything else. Oh, I just had oh, that person, you know. I'd ask you which one is more dangerous, but I don't know if I want to know the answer. A person that outwardly expresses their strife is easily identified and is easily addressed. Man, every time you come here, you just got an attitude. Not you, but <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm picking up on it because you just you slam doors behind you, you 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 throw your Bible in the pew, you don't want to look at anybody or shake their hand. 
What is that? Well, that's, that's one manifestation. But somebody will say, hey, how you doing? I hate your guts. How you doing? I mean, they're thinking it in their head. You can't identify that. You, and so the person who you're shaking hands with is not manifesting the strife, but is dealing with it just as much, if not more. So we're not... Hey, for all we know, the Holy Ghost told Paul, this sister has something wrong with this sister. There, there may have never been an outward quarrel, quarrel whatsoever. It could have been the Lord addressing an unspoken situation. For all we know. But the Lord says, you and you, get of the like mind. I know, sister, that you always sit over here if she's over here. And I know that you always sit over here if she's over there. Get of the like mind. Anything you'd like to add? I'd like for you to. I uh, stumbled upon a meeting one night, uh, accidentally, a gathering in a home. I thought it was a scheduled gathering. Later, I understood it was not. Somebody just threw it out there. Hey. Let's all get together next week around this activity, and they named it. Anyway, it involved people, fellowship, food, in a home. It was a large gathering. <clears throat> I was en route and reached out to an individual and was going to try to get together with them for dinner, and they said, oh, we're, we're over at this gathering Oh, okay, well, I'll just come right by there. Had people traveling with me, and so, uh, you guys want to go? Yeah, okay. So we go into a gathering. It's large, and uh, <clears throat> I can't stay there all night. I've got to get these other people to a hotel. And so I say, hey, let's, let's go. And as I'm exiting this gathering... I'm looking over it. <clears throat> There's no shepherd there. There's no oversight. And I leave with a feeling. I'm uncomfortable. Now, it wasn't from here because I knew what I saw and all this. It was from in my spirit. I was uncomfortable and had this caution but it was out of my control. I just wondered where, why these other pieces weren't there. And I walked away. And then two weeks later, I would begin to learn some things. I have another way of voicing what you've been saying all night. Some people thrive on controversy. They thrive on 
controversy. They like to argue and fight or whatever. They like to have a controversy. Well, so there was an individual in a group that walked into the room and threw out a question. Is it this or is it that? And there were representation of this and that sitting in the same room, which started a dialogue. <clears throat> What's interesting was is one individual took that as free license and went right down that road. And the other one allowed wisdom to tell them not to respond. So it was short-lived. Thank the Lord. But it was, again, later that I learned it wasn't a church event, although it involved a lot of church people. There were more than 40 people in this house. It was packed. And there were lots of personalities. Okay? wasn't just from one congregation. And so you have all these dynamics, and then this, I was uncomfortable. Now, when you talk about, oh, so we're, we're coming away from the men's meeting in Ellensburg. Elder Loxamana felt to communicate to me, he said, I'm coming away from this meeting feeling that we need to strive for unity. We need to strive for unity. Oh, good. That, the Lord's been dealing with me about that. Contending for one faith. Contending for unity. Which is complete contrast to somebody thriving on controversy. And so, because we are all a part of humanity, we, and we all have opinions and ideas, and we are all expressive people, we have to know when to talk and when not to talk. Or, or when to, on our own, suppress something. Because their grandest uh, desire and uh, primary imperative is to contend for unity, strive for unity, edification. So, so there were a lot of little pockets in this big group of people, right? And you know what happens when there's a large group? A lot of small pockets develop, and there's a lot of small conversations and they all just go in however direction that that pocket of people take them. You might have one over here. Somebody's starting to talk about, did you read where the Apostle Paul said this? And, man, that just charges me up. And so, and so a couple people get involved in that conversation. And they get up from there thinking, wow, I feel edified. But then there was a pocket in the back of the room, you know, where somebody was saying, did you, did you see what sister so-and-so was wearing last week? I couldn't believe it in church. And so what happens is, is one pocket entertains gossip. The other pocket entertains the edification of the spirit of God 
in the body of Christ. And contending for brotherhood and unity and building up us. That meeting we had in that farmhouse out there? How many did we have in that meeting? 40 people. There were a handful of people that gave voice. But what took place there was so edifying. I heard people report back that they seemed to glean more from that couple of hours at that house than they did from the rest of the men's meeting. Now, that was a frame of mind. But it came from people who came as guests. But it's the idea. Let me, I, I just feel like I have to voice these things, okay? Uh, down through the ages, there have been leaders who have squelched fellowship groups. Nobody gets together unless they get together here, and I'm here. Well, how controlling is that? Well, it appears to be very controlling. But you see, when people don't police themselves, and they just allow everything to take its course, not employing these principles that have been shared here tonight by human nature it goes downhill human nature okay and so it's 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 easy for me just with the years of experience to understand why some men have taken the measures that they have to avoid negativity and criticism and things like this uh, that take place when people gather together. They used to call them gossip groups. Okay? And so when, when we as a people, because we promote fellowship. We promote the body of Christ getting together. We promote prayer meetings. We promote Bible studies. We promote a lot of activities that, that cross fellowships because we have a confidence and a trust in the people. And because we're also not afraid to stand up and say stuff like this. So it clears the air and we help one another. Maybe policing is not the right term. But you understand what it means. We keep each other in check and say, well, well, you're not having a good day, are you? Wow, I'm sorry. You're obviously very negative right now. <laughs> it's the idea of saying, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're just spreading that all over the house, man. <laughs> okay. I want to keep promoting fellowship. I don't ever want to be put in a position where I say, hey, look, we better keep an eye on this little group or we got to keep an eye on this or keep an eye on this. That's what transpires. That's what, that's what happens. But sometimes it's forced. I mean, it forces the hand of leadership for the protection for shepherds protecting the body of Christ. Okay? And so this is something that can also be 
managed among us. Why don't you stand? Amen. Lord, I receive what you're telling me tonight. I want that openness in my spirit, God, to hear your voice. Lord, to live as you would have me live. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you find somebody? Tell them how nice they are or whatever else.